Oh. It's starting and it's done. Oh, wow. This, it counts us in. Bananas. It's a whole new world since we were last wow. here, Sadie. Oh. I know. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> and also, I have fancy high-speed internet. Um, I'm still, I'm still doing an, uh, an outside recording, like a, um, I don't know what the correct podcasty word for that is, but I'm doing like an alternative. A backup? Wow. It has been. We've lost all of our yes. podcasting knowledge where, uh, it's been what, I don't know how long it's been weeks, a month, a month and a half. Our brains have completely melted. Anyway, this is, Literally. you should see the other guy, the podcast where we watch a movie featuring a love triangle and tell you why the protagonist or whoever is doing the picking chose poorly and should have gone with their other option. I am Jennifer. And I am Sadie. And we are lacking Samantha because Samantha is a busy, busy, busy bee. Um, And if you were, if you are our Patreons, first of all, thank you so much. But secondly, we did post an update um, that we were all very heavily involved in that's basically just like, Hey, if you are wondering where we've been, it's because we are insanely busy. And honestly, if you probably looked at our schedules, you'd be like, that's not overly busy. But listen, we have executive dysfunction. (laughs) Because come on, we're all we're all bisexual uh, movie lovers. So of course, we have executive dysfunction. Um, (laughs) And what a uh, what a what a, a fitting way to get back into the swing of things than uh, hit rom-com Goldeneye. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Uh, so Jen, <laughs> take it away. Okay, I'm so excited. So when we were last trying to plan an episode, like when and I don't know, March, when, whenever, whatever time, time was happening, uh, I, I got excited about the re-release of Goldeneye, uh, the, the video game, and it was making me feel nostalgic about Goldeneye, the movie, and which has a great other guy, gal, some options going on. So I pitched it to the gals, and here we are today. One of the greatest rom-coms of our time. Sadie, have you, or, or what was your, what is your history with James Bond movies prior to this? I don't love them. And so I have I have seen some of the Daniel Craig ones. I have not seen all of them, but like I didn't see No Time to Die. Um, but I did see Skyfall. The, the way that I track I it is I saw the one that has the one. Sam Smith opening, I think, but I definitely saw the one that starts with Adele, <laughs> um, which I think is Skyfall. But I, I, so I've seen some of the Daniel Craig. I have not seen any of the Pierce Brosnan. <gasps> and then I, I've seen one of like the original like movies from like the 60s. Okay. So that's my, I was so that's my, curious uh, as to whether it. you had seen this or not before. What a reversal, Sadie. Oh, we are- I have not. <laughs> so GoldenEye is in my humble and extremely correct opinion, the greatest of all the James Bond movies. Coincidentally, it also happens to be the first James Bond movie I ever saw and my introduction to the franchise as a whole. Wow. Uh, James Bond movies are just such vibes movies, I would I would say. Um, Sadie did message uh, after, after you finished watching, you were like, I have no idea what happened, but I was feeling it. It was fun. <laughs> so now... 
And I stand by I shall that. briefly, I shall attempt to briefly summarize so that I can explain to Sadie what happened in the movie. But also, it doesn't really matter if you understand the plot that well. Like, I definitely did not myself when I was 10 years old and saw this for the first time. And honestly, could probably not even explain <laughs> it to you that well. If wow, <laughs> humble brag. If I was not, you know... Um, yeah. You're like, you have the comprehension of a 10 year old. So it's okay. Well, they keep throwing in all this, uh, you know, uh, military history stuff. Like this is sort of a running thing through the James Bonds with all the ridiculous shit. They're throwing out like actual names of like battles and wars that happened. And you're supposed to know some geopolitical history. And like, you know, that's, that's not our strength on this podcast. We'll just say that. So I just kind of let all that flow right over my head along with the virulent misogyny and racism of many of the, you know, earlier entries in the franchise and take my enjoyment where I can. To that end, Goldeneye. So I'm going to, the the opening scene, I'm going to describe in a little more detail than the the rest of this, because that's, is sort of the whole setup for the plot. (laughs) The opening, the opening scene is like three solid minutes of detail. And then the rest of the movie is also three <laughs> minutes of detail. Like, like the opening scene deserves as much attention as the full like two and a half hour film. <laughs> yes. In my opinion. Like if you got to that movie late, then there's just don't even try to understand the plot. Like it's gone. It's, <laughs> you're not going to get it. So the movie actually starts with one of the most incredible stunts, probably in the history of film. Uh, I, I read an article about this today that is performed by a stunt guy who actually did this in one take, that jump off of the dam that he does. This confused me immensely. What? Yes. Oh my God. This guy, uh, they, they, it's like a, um, this, they got a super tall dam, right? He comes running out to the top of it. He hooks hooks a little thing on it and basically and just bungee jumps off does a swan dive like attached by his ankles falls hundreds and hundreds of feet and then when he hits the end of the fall and starts to bounce back he fires like a gun with a little pew like you know like a batman pull yourself to the you know down to the bottom thing and that's how james bond enters the facility i was quite confused by this seeing this as a child because this stuntman clearly is not Pierce Brosnan. Like, it's pretty obvious. But as an adult, this is so fucking impressive that I don't care. Absolutely fucking wild that this guy actually did that. He apparently passed out when it, like, hit him at the end of the thing. But he was like, no, we can't film this again. I've, like, got to come back to consciousness and pull out the gun for the shot. And he managed to do it. And that is one take. Oh, my god! Absolutely amazing. Like, wow. They don't do movies like this anymore. <laughs> I know, right? Like, holy shit. The purely fraught nature. <laughs> they had, like... What's that, um... That um, Hugh Grant quote where he's like, you know, movies just aren't what they used to, or movie sets just aren't what they used to. Where's the where's the petty drama, the making out, the getting drunk after hours? I'm like, he is so yes. right. <laughs> he is so right. Like I feel yes. like I feel like movie sets used to be so messy and dangerous, and like <laughs> like definitely there are good elements now, like you know, intimacy coordinators, for example, but also. 
Y'all gotta be messy. You yes. Have to. Like we we can have intimacy coordinators and we can also have interpersonal drama, I think. If we could somehow have both of those things involved in the behind the scenes of movies, I think that the world would be a better place. Yeah. Anyway, so when they filmed this stuff, yeah, I, anyway, I read this like 20 minutes before we got on here to record, Sadie, but absolutely bananas, like from the mouth of the guy who did it. Like they had like emergency helicopters on to airlift him out if like something went wrong and his body was crushed at the bottom of that dam or whatever. Absolutely bananas. So anyway, they do this stunt. Very confusing because it's clearly not James Bond, but it is James Bond. It's supposed to be. Breaks into what is like uh, he's he's going into this chemical weapons facility uh, in in Russia. And, um, oh, and it's still the Soviet Union at this point. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now to see when the years are supposed to be. This is supposed to be taking place in 1986. You see his silhouette, like, break into the place. And then we are introduced to Pierce Brosnan as James Bond for the first time ever with his first lines. When he breaks in on some poor, hapless Russian military guy on a toilet and makes a joke and then punches him in the face. And that is how this magnificent piece of artwork begins. So James Bond is broken into the chemical weapons facility. He's running around like a spy and whatever. It's making the classic soundtrack that you're familiar with if you were ever around an N64 at any point in the 90s. And he's confronted by somebody in the shadows who's speaking Russian and he thinks he's been caught. So he immediately says that he's alone so that, you know, his partner, who actually is the person who just confronted him, uh, won't be caught. And steps out of the shadows. James Bond's buddy is Sean Bean, who is playing 006. Alec Trevelyan and through a couple little inside jokes and callbacks they make with each other we surmise that they are like best buddies they grew up together and they're like secret agent pals and they're doing this mission together so they make their way on into the facility and they're setting up bombs to blow shit up I don't really know that blowing up a chemical weapons facility is like the safest way to dispose of it but I am not like an international super spy, so I'll leave them to do that. Anyway, James Bond is setting up the bombs and then suddenly things go quiet. He hollers for his friend. There's no word. 006 has been caught by this Russian general in a, in a scary looking hat. And uh, he's got him held at gunpoint. And there's a bunch of little like goon soldiers with their guns all pulled at Bond behind there. And so 006 Trevelyan is all like, finish the mission, James, blow them all to hell. And James is all like, oh, no, I won't leave you behind. Kind of what I forgot exactly what he says. But anyway, they kind of have a back and forth for a minute. And the Russian general Ormov takes his gun and shoots 006 in the head. He falls to the ground, presumably dead. James Bond, also presuming his friend dead, skips back behind the little shelf that he was behind and changes the timer on the bomb from six minutes to three minutes. Then he wheels like some gas canisters that the soldiers can't shoot across the room with like weak or weak or weak, like squeaky wheels. And, you know, it's a dramatic, tense moment. And then he shoots something, so a bunch of barrels fall onto the soldiers, and all hell breaks loose, and everybody starts shooting, and he escapes. And he's he makes his way out of the facility and somehow gets on a motorcycle, and there's like 80 random dudes chasing him. And he chases down an airplane that's taking off a runway that leads to the edge of a cliff for some reason. And he launches the motorcycle off the cliff and skydives to the airplane where he somehow manages to get into it and throw the pilot out and escape at the last second. And the chemical weapons facility with the dead body of his best friend 006 inside gets blown to hell in a giant explosion. And then that leads us into the greatest movie theme song of all time, 
GoldenEye performed by Tina Turner while like skinny, naked silhouette ladies dance around and they show off their oh. new CGI abilities of 1995 uh, for the movie. <laughs> Amazing. Already like the greatest 10 minutes of cinema. They were like, we're going to make the most timeless introduction Ugh. that's going to look immaculate even 30 years Truly. in the future. Right? <laughs> Again, I, I read some backstory about that. So like Bono and the Edge of U2 wrote that song? but they had Tina Turner perform it, it would have fucking sucked if Bono what? sang that. Like, what the hell? That would have been the worst thing of all time. But Tina Turner did it, and it was so Oh, great. my God. <laughs> and they even were going to have ABBA do it, Sadie. Like, no, ABBA. What the fuck am I thinking of? Ace of Base. ABBA, like, I'm going back a few decades too far. They were going to have Ace of Base do the theme song for this movie. Then they changed their minds. <laughs> I was going to say, ABBA would <laughs> ABBA, fuck, that would actually. actually be amazing. ABBA would be great. I'm kind of surprised. Did ABBA ever you know, do a theme song for them? I, I don't. I don't know whatever gay little twink they're going to choose for the next James Bond, but <laughs> ABBA better be the opener. Yes. And it should just be Mamma Mia. <laughs> James Bond Mia. I could get down with that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Okay. And thank you for listening to our lovely, wonderful podcast. It's been great. Uh, we've said all the we end. needed to say. <laughs> So I kid, I kid, Tina I kid. Tina sings out and the movie carries on and I will pick up the pace of this summary now. Bond is being evaluated. They introduce us to the new Money Penny, the secretary of MI6. And I remember my dad being like so upset that like Bond and Money Penny make out at the end of that scene because apparently they just had like a sexual harassment only relationship before. And um, my father was, was upset that that had been made explicitly physical at some point. They have an amazing scene where the best villain of all time and my personal queer root, Zinnia Onatop, is introduced in a red Ferrari and they randomly race down a mountain oh. and, uh, it, you know, knock a bunch of cyclists over and it's dangerous. Everyone is living except Money Penny, who hates it. I don't even know what Bond is doing at this point besides being evaluated, but he goes out to a hotel that night to keep following Zinnia around and spy on her. She is there <laughs> with an admiral who she goes back to his boat and uh, sexually murders him by torso strangulation with her thighs so that she and her accomplice can like <laughs> steal. <laughs> I'm not amazing. That. Like, oh my God, Sadie, my 10 year old eyes were opened. Like, wow. Uh, what a woman. Absolutely amazing. Anyway, she steals the key card so that she can go onto another boat and steal a super special helicopter that rich people are having a demonstration of. It's some like helicopter that you can't find on radar or whatever. Zinnia steals it, takes off. Bond is foiled. The helicopter gets stolen. Then he goes back to, uh, I guess, back home. I don't even know where he is at that part. Back to MI6. Um, and in the meantime, Zinnia has taken the helicopter. Oh, this is all nine years later, by the way, after the events of the opening before Tina Turner sang to us. The Tina Turner song takes nine years. Now we're up to this point. So anyway, what Zinnia stole the helicopter for was to go to some secret computer computer hacking facility in Siberia. She is in league with the general who had killed Bond's friend at the beginning. They go to this place, kill everybody. Um, let's see. The important people there are Boris Alan Cumming, who is a pervert who has like iconic, currently fashionable Gen Z style. <laughs> 
kind of odd to watch this now and realize that his style has held up better than anybody's in the whole movie. Like he looks like a fashion plate of 2023. Yes. Amazing. And Natalia, who is going to be our boring, regular Bond girl who does not murder people with her legs. So Zinya and the general <laughs> come in there yeah. and uh, they're stealing the golden eye that is, uh, I don't know, they programmed it, they created it, whatever. It's housed at this facility with no guards whatsoever. I don't know why it's there. And it's like a satellite that I think the point is that it can do like a big EMP blip and blow out electricity um, is, is sort of its deal. So they get in there, they use the golden eye or what to blip out all the electricity and uh, they kill all the people in there. They steal the golden eye controller and take it with them and get in the helicopter to leave. And then they use the golden eye to blow up the facility. The only survivor is Natalia who manages to hide. And she is also, she's wearing a pretty iconic like 90s, like cute little like cardigan over collared shirt, like black hose and, and black mini skirt and boots. She's not as fashionable as Boris, but it's still cute. And uh, anyway, she manages to escape after the place gets blown up and there's like some convenient sled dogs sitting harnessed up outside. And so that's how she gets out of there. Bond goes back to MI6. He's mad because he wasn't able to follow up on what happened to the helicopter. And they're all bitching about their new boss, M, because she's a woman. How terrible. And then Judy Dench comes in, greatest M of all time. Like, well, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how many M's there were before. Whatever. Before, before Judy Dench, M was just some boring man and nobody cared. Now, M is Judy Dench, and she was so amazing that she carried on into the Daniel Craig, James Bond's iconic, wonderful. She calls Bond like a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, and it's amazing. Love her. So now he's got to go figure out what's going on with the uh, the place that got blown up. So he heads to Russia. There's like a joke with Mini Driver singing in a terrible Russian accent. He meets like an American ally who is not Felix Leiter in this one, but is named like Jack Wade or something. And he's trying to get set up. He finds out that Zinya is working for the the Janus Corporation or some shit, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just kind of vibing over us at this point. He has an amazing uh, fight scene with Zinya in like a bathhouse that is like violent and erotic and, and uh, definitely like made a strong impression on my young preteen self. And then she finally takes him to meet the head of this Janus Corporation who's running all of this. And surprise, it's his friend, 006, Alec Trevelyan, who is big mad at Bond because Bond had changed the time on the Bond, wow. uh, on the bomb. Such a national <laughs> Right, yeah. He's all like, like, God didn't give me this face. You did by setting that timer to three minutes. And like, my guy, Bond thought you were dead. Like, and also you were betraying your government, like to enter into like a collusion with the Soviet general. Uh, anyway, Trevelyan's very dramatic. It's a really great scene. <laughs> and it was also such a small, like, burn. Yeah. like in the grand scheme of things. I'm like, bro. And also like you, you are a double agent. Yeah. Uh, not a double agent, but like you are a special agent. Like you are going to get fucked <laughs> right? up sometimes. Like you were going to get like, fucked up. And he was a double agent, Sadie. He was actually actively betraying the British government that he worked for at that time to like sell out to this Russian general. Presumably he intended for Bond to die there. Like kind of wild. Like I feel like this man, it, it, like there's not a lot of self-reflection going on here. You know, like he's placing blame in inappropriate, you know, <laughs> 
and inappropriate sources. Anyway, he's mad at Bond. Uh, this sucks. Oh, by the way, before that happened, Natalia puts on like an amazing coat and goes and like gets onto a computer and does some hacking stuff and gets in contact with Boris. And it turns out that Boris is the mole. He's also a bad guy. And he's the one who got the other baddies into the place to steal the gold and I blow it up. So Boris got Natalia caught by the bad guys. Bond is now also caught by the bad guys. They meet because they get in the helicopter and like the bad guys are going to blow it up, but they in classic James Bond fashion don't stay around to make sure that it happens. So Bond manages to like smash his head into an eject button and they escape. They get caught by the Russians again, but Instead, they get intercepted by like the defense minister, Mishkin, instead of like the general Oromov, who's the traitor. So then Oromov goes rogue and shoots that guy in the head. And then there's a big fight scene where they're like in archives and they knock over like a bunch of shelves and like fuck up records of things. And there's like there's like 87 random goons running around shooting at them. And somehow Natalia gets caught again, but Bond does it. And then the general's escaping with her. Then Bond gets a tank. Amazing busting through walls, absolutely fucking up just general pedestrians' lives in this Russian city, crashes through like a Perrier truck, then like knocks like 90,000 cans of Perrier in the street. Incredible, magnificent, wonderful. Natalia gets taken to like a train where like Trevelyan and them have her caught. Bond blows it up with the the tank. And eventually they, they all like confront each other and Natalia does some hacking thing and finds out from Boris who cannot cover his tracks well enough that they're all going to like somewhere in Cuba. That's where the other GoldenEye thing is located. So she and Bond pack up to go to Cuba. They have sex. They go to the GoldenEye place and break into it. And there's some shenanigans with Boris, like clicking the bomb pin and whatever. And then finally Bond and Trevelyan have their big showdown where, you know, all of their like repressed erotic desire for one another and jealousy comes out and they're like fighting on top of the the like satellite dish and stuff. And, and uh, you know, it looks like things are going to go bad for a boy for a bit. But then eventually Bond, uh, you know, prevails and Trevelyan gets like smashed on the bottom of the satellite dish. I don't know, what was Natalia doing at that time? I don't know. She somehow like defeated Boris's plans and like and Trevelyan's Trevelyan's plan is like what what is again is going on here I think that he was just stealing the golden eye like not even to do some particularly nefarious like take over world governments but I think he was just gonna like rob the British bank was his plan anyway that gets foiled and then even Boris gets taken down at the end because he somehow survives everything and says I am invincible but then like (laughs) liquid nitrogen comes out and like freezes him in place. And that would be kind of an iconic statue to have everywhere. And Bond and Natalia survive. Oh, I forgot about when they killed Xenia. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, whatever. We're going to talk about Xenia for the remaining time that we're recording. And Bond and Natalia start making out, but then the American guy and like 87 more random soldiers are around watching them. And then they make some joke about, you two could finish debriefing each other at Guantanamo that does not come across as well in like a post 2000 universe as it must have in 1995. The end. <laughs> so that's what happened, Sadie. That's the plot. Jen. <laughs> now I have to ask, how many have you mm, seen? Let's see. James Bonds. I okay. So this one was my first shout out to my friend, Lauren's dad. He was a real one. <laughs> You're like, I've seen you. <laughs> we did a, like a blockbuster asking. trip and I saw this, yeah, at their house. And somehow I feel like my parents were, I, I was 10 then and I was unsure like that I would be allowed to watch it. But Mick was like, 
this is great. This is perfect entertainment for children. Of course, we're going to watch this. So I watched it and then I went home and then my parents were like, well, I guess now we have to let your little brother Joe watch it too. And then we all watched it. And then we all got into like a super James Bond phase for a while. So I've seen, I've seen most of the Sean Connery ones. I've seen all of the Roger Moore ones. And I think I've only seen one Timothy Dalton one. And then I loved Casino Royale with Daniel Craig, but then I kind of fell out of them after that. I feel like a lot of times there's kind of a quality issue with Bond movies where they're worried about introducing a new Bond so they do like a really good job on the first one, you know, that some new actor enters the Bond role. And then after that, they just fucking mm. suck. I've seen all the Pierce Brosnan ones. Goldeneye is amazing. Tomorrow Never Dies is okay. The one with Denise Richards as like, uh, <sighs> that that's not so great. And then there's one, the one that Madonna did the theme song for, <laughs> where, where the North Korean like Nepo baby like has plastic surgery to turn himself into a white guy and take his revenge on Bond and Halle what? Berry's in it and the ice castle melt. What? That one is actually Loki kind of my brothers and my one of our favorites because it's just like so astoundingly bizarre that like you kind of can't help but appreciate it even though it's terrible. But yeah, that uh, I think that's when they were trying to like, I don't know what they were thinking with all of that. But I've seen a lot of them. And I have read... <laughs> yes, say, you may. Please say. <laughs> I feel like it's... I I love what James, what the Bond universe has done for the overall landscape of cinema. I do think that it should end with Daniel Craig is my professional opinion. I feel like we can get, we can do so many different like spy thriller type things without having James Bond. I, I don't know. I just feel, I feel like it's time to move on from James Bond. Like I, I, I think about, um, the little drummer girl, which was like a mini series that Florence Pugh was in. And um, I haven't finished it yet. I'm like working through it, but it like is really good. And I'm like, I feel like it's time to move away from James Bond. You know, it's been like 90 years. <laughs> it's time. And I feel the same way about Sherlock, oh right? Yeah. I'm not biased. Sherlock needs to end. <laughs> there have been too many Sherlocks. We're done. God, remember done when even it. like Robert Downey Jr. was Sherlock and was like a bare knuckle fighter? <laughs> there was a lot of yes. Sherlocks. <laughs> Honestly, the first one of that series was not bad. It was kind of fun. The first one was not bad. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say the first two seasons of BBC Sherlock, which amounted to what, like four episodes, <laughs> those were good too. I mean, they were very different, but in in terms of the Sherlock canon, I feel like elementary is the best with uh Yes, Joan that's Watson, the one with Johnny Lee Miller and AKA Lucy Liu, Lucy right? Liu. Yes, I've been meaning to check that out. But yes. again, Sherlock fatigue, yes. you know? It's so good. Hannah and I are actually watching <laughs> it right now. But that all being said, we're done with Sherlock. We don't yeah. need to do anything else. Like, <laughs> we're good. And we're we also really, good with James Bond. It's like sometimes I, I would be fine with that and too. And Doctor Who. I would I'm be fine it. with that as well. I do, I do agree with you there. I know that they are never going to let us be free of James Bond as a society because I guess it makes a lot of money and it's a... So 
it's uh, like, I, I don't really know all the nitty gritty behind how all this came to be. Like Ian Fleming is the author of the absolutely atrocious books, which I have read a number of as well. Um, they had some great like pulp covers on them and some re-release in like the mid oddies. And, and I read some and I mean, it really is like so much James Bond, quote unquote, curing lesbians of their perversion with his magic penis happening in those so much racism kind of like entertaining to know that Bond is like absolutely fucking bombed like at all times canonically while he's doing this shit because he's always like taking amphetamines and drinking at the same time while he's on these missions so that's just a little you know glad that I know that from reading the books but truly terrible source material um, I would not be able to get into the movies if they were new to me now. It's, you know, very heavy, like childhood nostalgia, um, seeing a lot of these things like before yeah. I was old enough to comprehend what was going on is like the reason that I can appreciate them. But because of that, I do appreciate the parts that I do while also seeing that, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of fucking terrible shit. I haven't even seen the, the last of the Daniel Craig ones, and I'm not particularly in interested as Daniel Craig himself was getting super sick of playing Bond and it was kind of like you know palpable on his person like how much he is over this like I was yes. kind of not too interested he's moved on <laughs> emotionally yeah He's like, please just let me play yes. Benoit Blanc. The whole, He's like, the I want to life. have my foghorn leghorn accent and wear cute outfits and be gay. Like, leave me be, Bond. Like, I'm done. Um, I don't. I did think it was interesting that at this point, so this family called the Broccoli's is is behind the movies, the James Bond movies, right? And I haven't seen this officially confirmed, but uh, it seemed pretty obvious to me that the switch when they had Judy Dench take over as M as the boss of MI6 happened when Barbara Broccoli, the daughter, took over from her father, like, and started running the franchise. So they had that happen. But now Barbara Broccoli is on record with many quotes about how she would be very unwilling to have Bond ever played by a woman. I don't know. Uh, they're definitely going to give us a new James Bond at some point. Don't know when it's going to happen. If it has to happen, I am hoping it's going to be Dev Patel, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway. Mm. But again, it's like, it's like when you, I think for Daniel Craig, I just, I think that for Pierce Brosnan, he was like, this is like my vibe. This is what I want to do. I feel like it's so much of like a, you get kind of trapped in the yes. hole, you know? And it's kind of hard to to get out. Um, so in a like I want I think that it would be cool to see Dev Patel in this role, but also yeah. stay free. Yeah. And it's the same mind think a uh, thought that I have of like Marvel. You know, I'm like Ooh, once you're, you're in Marvel, stuck. you've kind of you've sold something. You know, but like God, that's why Daniel Craig know, I, was. <laughs> I <laughs> think like Boris comes back. Ah, it's yes. Alan coming. Again. Oh my God, Alan Coming! Please, can I, can I talk a little bit about Let's how hot he was it. in this movie? I to me, particularly, like, like just like that, just like disheveled look. I mean, I always thought that Alan Cumming is so cute. Like, I one of my like first. This is when I knew I was a monster fucker <laughs> in a lot of ways, is because his role in um in X Men. Oh yeah! Oh, oh my yeah! God, he was so the, cute. Like, Nightcrawler, the tail my and God. the hooves. 
Um, he, yeah, he hits. He uh, he hits the spot. So <laughs> I was so devastated when he turned out to be the villain. And even then, I'm like, you know what? I, I'll defend my man. I'll stick beside him. I'll stick like, beside him. Kind of fucked um, up that like he left all his friends and coworkers to die. But at the same time, he has kind of like a shitty job under the you know post-Soviet Russian capitalism, I guess. And he's he's making a better life for himself and his like his clashing prince. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I mean, what else? What else can you do, really? I anyway. Anyway. He was so hot. And you're so right, particularly that like out of everyone, his style, which is supposed to kind of make him a loser in in this time period is now I'm like, wow, this he's so cute. <laughs> like, like this is definitely someone that I would see walking down the street and I'd be like, my God. He would be, yeah. Oh my God. Like, isn't that wild? Like I, I think about, sometimes it's so interesting to see how like styles and like what's considered cute, like is so cyclical in some ways. Like I, this is an entirely random thing that I'm about to say, but I've been getting really into um, the, the Mary Tyler Moore <gasps> oh, show. Yes. Crazy. Um, yes. Which if you haven't heard of it, which you probably have, but it, it, it not you, Jen, I know you have, but the <laughs> yes. general uh, audience. Um, it is a show from the 70s. It's quite a long running show. It had several, you know, spinoffs. Um, one of the most successful shows of all time and was like the first super, super successful show that was focused on a single woman, um, Mary Tyler Moore. And it's just about this uh, girl who woman who moved to Minneapolis and she works as like a TV news producer uh, for like a radio or like a TV station. Um, and she gets into various hijinks. But the point of it is, is so much of their fashion is like, I literally feel like I just saw that exact coat on Depop for like $200. <laughs> and like, people are like, like, it's just like this fashion, like I'm seeing it like manufactured again, like these silhouettes and like the hairstyles and the look, like, it's just, it's coming back. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just so wild. Oh, absolutely. Like Boris looks he the most does. modern. And it's like, if I weren't intimately familiar with what Alan Cumming looks like right now, I would be like, wow, this. It's bananas because we like it. as this kids watching this. And then, so of course the, the Nintendo 64 video game got released in the wake of the movie. And my brother and all of his friends were obsessed with it. Like I struggled with that. I, I never got particularly into playing it myself. At the time, I was like a fucking master of Diddy Kong racing. Like still, I, I've only met like one other person who can step to me when I play as Pipsy the Mouse, like to this day. And But I got really confused about <laughs> like the samey looking <laughs> pixelated environments uh, of, of GoldenEye, the video game. And I wasn't good at managing the the shooting stuff till then like it would it would take till much later before I was okay at first person shooters video game wise so I didn't play it very often but it was constantly being played around me so like all those little bullet ricochet noises and stuff that are in both the movie and the game like that's just so familiar <laughs> And anyway, like all of our little, we were always playing golden, like not just playing the game, but like playing pretend with each other running around and, you know, acting like we were doing James Bond stuff in that period of time. Like very popular thing. We all knew that like Boris was supposed to be the loser nerd. And 
my bros, little friends all like to do the, I am invincible. And then if you had like some silly string around to spray at each other to like pretend that that was like the liquid nitrogen that froze him, mm, chef's kiss. Like that was, <laughs> that was the move. <laughs> so that was kind of our... I'm literally, I'm looking up images of Boris. <laughs> Boris Goldeneye. I just want to look I at I was looking, again. Sadie, he was I wearing have, in that when, when Natalia. Those little, those little, those little thought glasses. <laughs> yes, he's got thought glasses. When, when like oh. the scene I was watching again, because, okay, so later as a, wait, well, I'll, I'll return to this. I'll return to Natalia's coat in a moment. But when Natalia, the scene where she doesn't realize yet that Boris is the traitor and she reaches back out to him as a fellow survivor, like trying trying to help her out. Sadie, he is wearing this hoodie that has like a repeating, like a little hand making a peace sign symbol all over it. And I was like, oh my God, like this definitely looks like something that would pop up in an Instagram yes. suggested ad right now. <laughs> Where did he get this in, you know, in shortly post-Soviet Russia? I don't know, but definitely has is yeah. somehow the most stylish now. He got an order in from Fashion Nova. <laughs> that's what he really, that's what he sold out his his country for uh <laughs> was, he he wanted some styles oh my god jen i'm sending you a, an image someone made him in oh the sims god. 4 and it is not a great uh a likeness they tried there's effort there you could do better um, sadie i'm certain wow the the boris fan base is going strong <laughs> yes they did he's got the okay they did a good job with the top shirt here with the the button down is an appropriately boris print but that gray underneath is too plain he would definitely have like a clashing pattern yeah. going here real alan cumming boris <laughs> But okay, so Sadie, I'm like, boo, <laughs> three out of 10. All right, going back in our minds to when you and Samantha and I uh, watched, but I'm a cheerleader for this podcast. And then we discussed the concept of the gay root, <laughs> the your queer root, the specific instance yes. or person or whatever it is that you were just, I don't know, a nebulous being who did not realize you were queer before that point, And then boom, you're queer. It caused it. Are you saying that yours was the thigh yes, crushing? I am saying that Zinya on a top played by Fomke Jansen <laughs> is the reason I am a bisexual woman sitting here talking to you today. Oh my God. Or at least, you know, I mean, probably I was already like the, the cards had been dealt. Like I was going to be bi, but very hilarious. Like watching this back in hindsight, realizing what a queer fucking little kid I was without knowing it. <laughs> At the time. Um, so yes, I did. I, I've said like 75 times already over the course of, of the 40 minutes or whatever we've been recording that I was 10 years old when I saw this. I had somehow absorbed enough misogyny from our culture that in my mind at that time, my understanding of the world was that there is one woman in everything, <laughs> every piece of media, every life scenario, whatever. Being a woman is a competition and there is one who is the winner and the only one who should be considered and who gives a fuck about the rest of them. Like that was, that was baby Jen's very depressing understanding of 
of the world, right? In 1990, I guess this is in like spring 1996 by the time I'm encountering this. Sadie, watching this now, it is totally what, and in fact, when like I rewatched it and just as an adult or even in my late teens or whatever, when I, like I was like 19, 20, I was shocked to realize that the lady who plays Natalia, the, the basic non-murderous, non-thigh-crushing Bond girl is a fucking babe, like total supermodel level, like absolutely insanely attractive because to child me, she was fucking dust. There was Zinya and there was nothing else. (laughs) Zinya entered the picture in her red Ferrari with her matching red lipstick and her lust for murder in her eyes. And I was like, that's it. She is it. She is the only, the only one who matters. I am in love with her and I want to be her and I don't understand even though it would be at the cost of his own life why James Bond did not pick her. <laughs> and I feel like Natalia at least to me is more attractive. Yeah, she is so fucking hot and like as as you know again her style is great. I would wear the fuck out of that outfit. That coat she wears that who knows where she gets it after she escapes with the sled dogs. Absolutely amazing. Incredible. But to 10 year old me, only Zinya counted. And um, <laughs> that that still yeah. sticks with me somehow. I don't know. Like the, this is like, again, such a such a Bond character that if you're going to have a woman here as a villain, like literally, like she is going to be a death sexual. That's her, her thing. She is sexually aroused by yeah. murdering other people but also like by being threatened with her own death like as long as death is on the line she's into it and so was I and I don't know what this says about my psyche or what this movie like did to my little developing brain but she is still uh, she's always going to be my ultimate other guy in this movie like I really think that Bond should have just gone ahead and gone there in the spa and had a glorious death getting with Zinya and then that would have been the ideal ending to this movie. <laughs> now, Zinya and Natalia? And, oh, Chef's and kiss. that oh. <laughs> And Boris with Bond. Boris with Bond. (laughs) Well, Bond, so I feel like Bond's heart is clearly already, or at least Trevelyan's heart is with Bond. Um, I think that's kind of Trevelyan's big problem is that like Bond was doing other things instead of being in love with him. Like he can complain about you know, the bomb countdown timer being reset or Bond being more devoted to England than him. But well, I mean, I guess that is the, the the problem, right? For Trevelyan, that he wanted Bond to love him more than the mission. And it's not going to yeah. happen. But oh my God, then that final showdown, they have Zinya pop oh. in at the end. Like, because of course, Zinya has to get killed, you know, because she's she's one of the main baddies. And uh, she, she dresses up in her like black mesh and leather, like ultimate form combat outfit to like drop in out of a helicopter in the jungle and try to kill Bond and Natalia there at the end. And Natalia makes a move to try to like swing on her with like a heavy object. And of course, Zinnia just catches it, tosses it off, grabs Natalia by the fucking jaw and says, wait for your turn and licks her face. And right there, Sadie, that was when I became a bisexual. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've we've unlocked it. Jen's root. We should actually just name this this episode Jen's root (laughs) and not and not Goldeneye because that's that's the most important element of this. Oh, that's what. (sighs) 
And now, Jen, it's time for me to ask, Mm. would you like to rate this movie? Sadie, this movie is magnificent. This movie is a work of art. This theme song, mm, sometimes I just listen to it just for the fuck of it. Like, oh, it's just, it's so good. This movie is like, it's definitely in my all-time top 10 list. I love it. I rate this movie, I rate this movie five out of five of the bullet ricochet sound effects that they use in this movie. I rate this movie eight out of seven plus one shots that can be held in the uh in in James Bond's Walter PPK that he carries. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I as not a Bond uh super fan, I will give it three and a half frozen Borises, <laughs> Borai, out of five. It was very fun. The intro is like three of those stars alone. So actually I'll bump it up to four frozen Borises. Um it was very entertaining. I find it very derivative of National Treasure, even though National Treasure came <laughs> many years later. Um, <laughs> the British and, National Treasure. Yeah. Uh, Boris Hot and <laughs> Natalia Hot. And that is all I will say. Oh, too amazing. And Pierce Brosnan, honestly, like a minch, like such an amazing man. Love him as a celebrity and human being. Delighted to follow him on Instagram. Obsessed with his absolute fervent adoration of his gorgeous fat wife. Like he is an amazing person. Also, my brother clued me in a few years ago that apparently during the filming of this movie, Pierce Brosnan was painting in his trailer the whole time. He made all these works of modern art that like later got sold at a gallery and I saw a really adorable picture of him posing with it. Pierce Brosnan, you're the greatest. Too good for Bond, really. They should just make movies about Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, what, uh, what priceless, I don't know, what, um... Uh, Samantha usually does this. What, like, priceless James Bond-esque artifact do you steal this time? Uh, I don't know. God, there's some super cheesy line at the end of Goldeneye <laughs> when Sean Bean has to be like, the world's greatest charge card. It better not be declined or something about the Goldeneye. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I don't really know. Um, Currently, because our schedules are are wild and our recording um, times are going to be much more sporadic, our Patreon is on pause. And if if you're already one of our patrons and you have access to our Discord, um, we're still going to try to be active over there and and have little chats. But uh, we are not taking any money at this time and we will make an announcement again before that resumes if it does, if and when... I don't know. Anyway, but you should find us certainly on Twitter at YSSTOG and tell us all your thoughts about uh, uh, about Boris's style in Goldeneye. Goldeneye. <laughs> I'll sing some Tina Turner together. Goldeneye. I don't even know if this is oh, what the song sounds like. I can I, I'm, don't get me started. I'll, I'll fucking get going with the karaoke here. God, you know what? In fact, I would also encourage you all to look up Tina Turner performing that live like with her stage band where Tim Capello, the sexy sax guy from the lost boys performs with her flawless incredible definitely look that up on youtube and to all of our listeners we love you so much we would love to crush your rib cages with our thighs yeah i think that about covers it (laughs) (laughs) and that's a (laughs) you can take that to the bank (laughs) 